Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. So we're doing something a little different tonight. And that's kind of our theme for the summer, uh, doing things a little differently. So uh, we've talked about um, uh, being called to be a prototype church. Uh, we've, we've talked about uh, being forerunners. And the elders have processed that quite a bit. Uh, but I know many of you have not had the same opportunity to process and, and think about what that means. So what we're going to do for a while tonight is uh, we're going to have a panel discussion. And uh, you can ask any questions uh, that you'd like to, uh, preferably related to this topic. But, you know, you, you can ask whatever you want to. Because, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure this out. Uh, during the church growth movement of the 1990s, uh, I, I think it became even more prevalent for churches to see what somebody else was doing that was gathering a lot of people and say, that's what we need to do. And... You know, if, if we're the church of Jesus Christ, uh, if he is the head of the body, uh, then we, we really should be doing what he tells us to do. Uh, it's a lot easier to see what somebody else is doing and, and to do that uh, because there, there isn't any seeking without apparent finding. <laughs> uh, there, there isn't any waiting on, on the Lord. And, uh, you know, those, those two things can be painful uh, when, when there is seeking and it doesn't feel like you're finding. But the promise is that we will find if, if we keep seeking with all of our hearts. Uh, and sometimes that is the issue, um, getting all of our heart involved. Uh, other times it's just God chooses to let us wait uh, because he wants us to learn to wait in peace. Uh, so, if uh, I could have the elders here, we've, we've got a table up here that we can sit at, and uh, I think, well, we're done with this for a while anyway. Um, yes? I wanted to say a few things before I take the kids to class. I, I should be up here on this board too, but... 
I consider one of my main functions here is to translate what we're hearing from God and learning and doing into kid language. Because truly, when kids are in God's family, they don't have a junior Holy Spirit. They have the full-size Holy Spirit. And, you know, I want them to be bold. You know, if, if God opens their eyes to see what's going on around them and they need to go lay hands on and pray for somebody, I want them to have had practice in our class, practice in our group, so that when they're in the grocery store line, they'll do it. You know, mom and dad right there with them. But, you know, we have had kids over time pray for healing, pray for deliverance for adults. It's been some time ago we had, I don't know, four or five kids and two teachers that welcomed anybody that had a problem with legs because our story was about Jesus healing a man's legs. And so we had, I didn't think anybody would come. This is when we were at the YMCA, but we had nine people come over to the side and we laid hands on and prayed. And specifically one, I don't remember who the person was we prayed for, but specifically we all held back except one child. Instead of the teacher giving the big finish, we just shut up because we felt like the Lord said, this kid needs to know their prayers are heard and powerful and answered. And there were, there were good results. We got good feedback from people that we had prayed for. But um, I'll just tell you one more little guy. But whichever way we're going, I want the kids to go with us because it breaks my heart to see children go to their own worship service and their own class and they never are in big church until they go to college. And where's the main disconnect point? When kids leave home and go to college, they disconnect. So I love that our kids are here in worship with us. And I love that they're learning some things, you know, in their own language. But it keeps up with what we're learning. So we have, we have officially three people that I know of that were raised from the dead here. Not beating, not breathing. One was beating but not breathing. One was neither one. And the third one was a child. And his four, her four-year-old brother stood there and said, Oh, Jesus, make Jazzy breathe again. Oh, Jesus, make Jazzy breathe again. Mom's trying to do some CPR. Dad's calling the paramedics. Guess what? Jasmine was up running around the living room before the paramedics got there. Yes, Lord. Rocky was like within a week of, of being five, and he had been in our class for a while, and he had had some practice. And he was into all the power superpower characters that are part of little boys and girls world and he was learning that Jesus was more powerful than any of these guys and then a few days later he accepted Jesus because you know he just he realized this is a real deal so that's what um, the kids are doing and I, I get passionate about it you can tell So, kids, let's go to our new classroom. She's my wife and my hero. She's no longer a slave to fear. <laughs> and she serves those who, who never say thank you. 
ever since we launched. And she brings the kingdom of God into the marketplace like nobody else I know. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> maybe I'll just start this a, a little bit. Uh, we have a good friend of the church who's a, an apostolic prophetic leader from Australia named Mark Crawford. And uh, he's he's been with us a number of times and uh, spoken some uh, important things uh, into us, over us. Uh, but one of the things that he has seen is he's seen that we have the opportunity to be a prototype church. And so uh, we've, we've been trying to flesh that out. Uh, I have felt like we were called to be forerunners uh, since we launched. Uh, and, you know, both of those things, uh, they're, they're not necessarily the same to be a, a prototype and to be a forerunner. They're very similar. Uh, and, and there are examples, many examples of forerunners in in the Word of God. Uh, Moses was a forerunner. Samuel was a forerunner. David was a forerunner. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah were forerunners. Uh, John the Baptist is, is the, the prototypical New Testament forerunner. And uh, Paul also, I, I believe, was, was a forerunner. Uh, I believe John Wimber was was a forerunner, and uh, a forerunner is is one who hears from the Lord and gets the direction from the Lord, and and typically that direction is different from the way things have been. Uh, and the way things are being done. And uh, a prototype um, church would, would be similar to that. Uh, Jesus talked about new wineskins. Uh, that, that would be a, a New Testament type of a prototype church. Uh, because Jesus said that, that new wine has to go into new wineskins. And, and wineskins are ways of thinking and ways of doing things. Uh, so if, um, if the Lord wants to do new things, he typically develops a new wineskin that he can pour the new thing into. And, and John the Baptist was, was part of that. In, in the New Testament. Uh, he was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 40 of making the way straight to God. And, and he did that by calling the nation of Israel, who were the people of God at that time, uh, to repent and, and come back to God because 
uh, their practice of uh, the Jewish religion had, had become just kind of a hollow form by that time. And, and he was calling them back to a, a reality of, of being the people of God because there's, there's a, you know, we, we have to know there's a great difference between being the people of God and practicing a religion. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if if we're called to be a prototype church, um, then we are called to hear God now, and and to do the different things that He is telling us to do, and and that is going to mean misunderstanding. It's, it's going to mean rejection. It, it is going to mean pain. It, it is, is going to mean mistakes. Uh, I, I mean, that's, that's a prototype. Uh, if, if you study what a prototype is, they, somebody has an idea for something that will do something, and so they, they make a first try at it, and it's a prototype because it, it doesn't work somehow. And it has to be adjusted and modified and changed so that eventually they they come up with the thing that does work. Uh, so, you know, uh, we we were struck by something that Mark said. I, I was struck, and I, I think all of us were, uh, that you can't be a prototype if you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. <laughs> and I mean that—that's like uh, Einstein's definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Uh, so we we decided, okay, well, this summer we we are going to try some new things. So meeting on Friday nights was was one of those things. Uh, you know, a lot of people are gone, travel on weekends uh, during the summer, so we thought, well, you know, maybe we'll have more people come on Friday nights and if they have Saturday and Sunday off. Well, it hasn't necessarily turned out that way, but <laughs> Any, anyway, we're, we're trying something. And, uh, you know, what we're doing tonight, this is, I've never seen anything like this uh, in a church service. Uh, so... Uh, I want you to hear from each of us. Uh, I've probably said enough as a, an introduction. So, <laughs> yeah, everybody agrees. So, uh, <clears throat> whoever would like to go next. Uh, I'll go. Okay. I, I was going to read what I wrote. I, I think that was really good. Okay. So, I've, I've been taking notes. Yeah. Wonders. <laughs> um, ever since Mark started talking to us and then just um, different intercessors that have given us words, but I've just been kind of taking notes as we've talked talk this out. And so the Lord just kind of pulled it all together for me yesterday, I think. So um, first of all, this is who we are. 
We are a community of followers of Christ who equip each other to hear God's voice, to worship, to pray, and to experience his presence corporately but also as individuals. Um, we teach each other how to forgive and not to be offended, to know each other in the spirit and not in the flesh. We allow God to be God in his church, and we put away any agenda or natural thinking we may hold on to that makes church un church comfortable for us. Um, we seek the Holy Spirit to transform us individually and corporately. We are not looking for members to fill the seats, but partners that will run the race with us in the same direction. Um, we want more, and we are willing to be stretched and made uncomfortable to achieve that. We strive not to do for God or to live for God, but to be with God in his doing. In order to do that, we have to hear his voice and see his kingdom come now. We believe in healing and in freedom. We equip people to receive both. We equip people to know the Father's heart and his perfect love towards us. Um, we equip and encourage one another to maintain that freedom and healing and to grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus and with one another. Prototype means as a church, we're going to do things out of the box. We don't expect things to be the same every week. Pastor is not the only one that teaches or ministers, and worship may look different than what we are used to. We declare as a body that this is God's church, and he can have his way no matter what if we look like fools and aren't successful according to the world's view. So everyone participates and is engaged in ministering to the Lord and to one another. 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 26 says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so the church may be built up. So, does anybody have any questions or comments they want to make? Sylvia. Oh, <laughs> I'm Kim. <laughs> yeah, some that's true. <laughs> I, I will. We can make copies of that. I, I was really in our small group on Tuesday. Um, my daughter shared what was. Um, her life story and it really started for her when she came to Vineyard and it really emphasized to me what an impact this church has had on my family um, just being you know being there at that time when God decided to do us suddenly and being there to um, teach us freedom and healing and how to forgive and um, she said, I, she said, I never knew how to hear from God as much as I know now because of the vineyard. And she says, I didn't know how to pray and how to be that warrior that, that I needed to be. And she said, I, she said, it's, it's the one thing that, um, being a part of this church, 
um, it's the growing and wanting more from God and going deeper and not settling. And, and so that's what I appreciate about, you know, we're not, we're not afraid of what other people think and what it looks like. And we just want what God wants. And sometimes we're going to make mistakes and not do it right. But I choose to love each one of you, no matter if I don't agree with you. If, like, maybe I noticed some flesh I didn't like, <laughs> and, and God has to deal with me about that, you know? And I say, God, that's not, that's not how you love, so I need you to change that in me. I need you to love them through me. So it, we're all learning how to love each other in, the, in spirit and not in the flesh. And not let that, you know, having that honor for one another in that respect. So, anyway. Any questions so far? What I, I, I will tag on with what she's saying, because uh, that just... Oh, sorry. My name is Phyllis. Um, that just really spoke to me when I read that. Um, the scripture that I, I really think about is Ephesians 4.11, where it's talking about that the, uh, the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist will equip the saints. And to me, that's what it's about. You know, we all have stuff that we walk through and stuff, and we're all here to help each other to be able to uh, get stronger with God and, and to get free from stuff that we have that's, that's holding on to stuff and different things like that. And that's kind of the way I feel a prototype church is. We really do want to encourage you. Oh, by the way, I'm Arnie. Um, <laughs> We want to encourage you to interact with us and ask any questions or share any insights that you have. Um, we don't know everything. Shock. Um, one thing I wanted to address tonight is I know some people have been a little uncomfortable with the term prototype because there's a thinking that somehow that makes us elitist or that we're superior to, to someone else, um, which is not the case at all. Um, I'd like to read six verses. It's interesting that in the Scripture sometimes, um, chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 of both Romans and 1 Corinthians deal with spiritual gifts. Um, so I want to read those six verses to you. From Romans 12, verse 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body... But all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And it goes on to list several, verses, several gifts there. Here's the point, though. There are differing gifts... Let me back up. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. You and I don't have the same gifts. 
You know, First Corinthians 12 talks about um, the apostle and teacher, and God has set certain gifts into the body of Christ. And not all are apostles, not all are teachers, not all have gifts of miracles and so on. Okay, but here's, here's the deal. Individually, we are unique. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship. Another translation of that is God's masterpiece. So each one of us individually is God's workmanship. God is creating something in us and making us into something unique. We are a prototype individually. There is no one else like us exactly. Now, this applies on the personal level, but on the level of the body of Christ within a city, it also applies. Because every church has a unique calling and a unique place in the body of Christ. Part of our calling, we believe, in this fellowship is to be intercessors, to have a strong prayer base. And we believe that that's a critical component of who we are. Um, so we're different, perhaps, than some of the churches in town. We don't always, we're not going to do things exactly the same way. So we're different, but that doesn't make us better. That just makes us unique. And uh, just as the individuals have differing gifts and differing callings, each local body has a different calling, a different gifting, a different emphasis. But throughout the body of Christ in this community, we need every local fellowship, just as we need each other within this local fellowship. So we're dependent upon our brothers and sisters in other churches. And they need what we have. So it's, it's a cooperative type of a thing. Am I making sense? Okay. So I, I just want to come against this, this thinking that prototype means we're better than, we're superior to. You know, we're sitting in judgment of other fellowships or something of that sort. That's not the case at all. We just realize that God's called us to a unique place in the body of Christ in this community. And we want to step fully into that so that we can help the body of Christ in this community become all that God has intended it to be. See, I'll see if I can paraphrase your question. I want to invite you two to come up and speak on the mic. So not only so that everybody else can hear you tonight, but also for our podcast, because we're not going to be able to hear that, okay? Um, if you just speak from your seat, we won't have it on the podcast. So I'll try to repeat the question and correct me if I don't get it right. Um, are people uncomfortable with being a prototype because we're not going to do things the same way every time? Yeah, is that is that the level of discomfort that we have that that we don't have a set pattern and we're just you know we're not? I invite you to come up and, and restate that if you'd like. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so that's the question. I think obviously there is some level of discomfort there. Um, you know, every time we get together, it's a matter of seeking the Lord and saying, God, what do you want? 
What are you doing? And frankly, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> you know, so I have to just wait and be silent and listen. And sometimes I don't get the answer. Somebody else does. So there's a, there's a level of um, humility that's involved here. Um, if it all depends on, see, th- what Jay was talking about earlier, about the emphasis in the church of doing things the way other people have done them, it's like if, if everything depends on my intellect, my understanding of Scripture, my understanding of what should happen, then I can make things happen. But is that God? You know, I'm not God. <laughs> so unless I'm walking in the Spirit and doing what He's doing, our goal is to be people who do what the Father's doing, hear what the Father is saying, and we do what He's doing, we say what He's saying, and we move in His Spirit. That's our goal. It's a struggle because we're all human. And we all miss it. And we all question, am I really hearing God or not? So, anybody else want to contribute to that? Now, we've just, um, Banji was talking about fear of the unknown. Here's another aspect of this, I think. It's more comfortable to come into a meeting and have the pastor be the one that hears from God you know he's the one that hears God and he's the one that speaks God's word and you see but that that shuts off the Holy Spirit because what if God wants to use you I mean I just read you some verses I didn't read 1 Corinthians 12 I'll take a moment to do that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of, administ- of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So God is at work in each one of us. But if we only allow our pastor to be the one who ministers, we're shutting down the Holy Spirit. Okay? Not that... I mean, thank God, Jay does hear from God, and Jay does move in the Spirit, and he, he's a blessing to us all, and we're grateful for that. But Jay would be the first to say he's not the only one. So we want to encourage everyone to step into whatever God's doing through them. I think I've had the mic long enough. My name is Chris Wilcox. It's the first time I've been here. Um, First of all, I'd like to say I'm really excited that I finally found a body that is willing to actually do 1 Corinthians 14. Um, Church is not a spectator sport. And uh, I get so upset when I see the pastor doing everything or five people doing everything. You know, I think they said 3% of the body actually does something. The rest just come and sit. It's not, a, it's not a football game where we sit and watch other people play. Um, I don't think I would like to interject, uh, not a correction, but um, uh, maybe another way of thinking. This isn't a prototype. 
This is not a prototype. This is what God wants us to do. We've been doing it wrong for a long time. <laughs> I, I, I studied 1 Corinthians 14 when it says, when you all come together, have a psalm, a teaching, a, a tongue, and interpretation. And I'm thinking, now if you had a congregation of 250 people, it would take four, four days to have church. <laughs> if everybody had a, a, a tongue, a psalm, a teaching, I mean, you know, okay, you can only have three minutes to teach this really deep thing, you know. But when you think about it, think of the logistics of it. When you actually wrap your head around the logistics of what God wants to do in a body, and then he wants other people to, you know, incorporate into them. I lived in Maryland for a while, and, the, and one of the things that happened there was <clears throat> I ran into these people that had a church down in uh, D.C., and they said after 50 people, they would break off and make another body. Because one guy would stand up, or one person would stand up, one lady would stand up and say, I have a, a burden to go, blah, 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 blah. And 10 people jump up and say, I have the same one, and they all move. So the body kept growing and growing, and they kept getting other people to come and, and share the vision of what God was doing in that area. I don't know what happened. That felt, uh, you know. Anyway, but that, that resonated in my spirit. You know, God wants us to be out there. That's where, you know, I mean, you can go to Methadone Clinic today. And stand there and weep and weep and weep for these people that have fallen through the cracks. So at some point, we're going to have to go to the highways and byways. We just, God's called us to go to the highways and byways. We have to go. And that's my encouragement for you as a body. I don't know anybody here, except I talked to Jay, and I've talked a little bit to Kim, and I've talked to Phyllis. <clears throat> and my new friends back there, Kathy and Renee, that I've never met until tonight. So. <laughs> but I just want you to know, this isn't a prototype. This is what God wants us to do. Read, read Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, and let the Holy Spirit stir it up in you, the vision, because he'll give you the vision. These people are doing really a wonderful job, but they're not cheerleaders. <laughs> they need pom-poms, I guess. <laughs> and that's all I have to say. Sorry. Thank you. I, I, I think uh, something Vanji said about being a prototype, you know, you, you try, you see what works and what doesn't, and you quit doing what doesn't work, and you try something else. I, I think that is how the church is supposed to be. Because uh, one of the challenges in, in every generation for the church is to take the unchanging gospel and communicate it to a culture that is now different than the one those people grew up in and and so that is part of the challenge that that we have mm -hmm. um, other comments or questions Barbara my name's Barbara I um, I've heard people say when we take the gospel, we have to make the gospel. Let's see if I can say this right. Fit for today. That disturbs me, and and I wanted to know your thoughts on it because I can't get comfortable with. And I've heard a lot of people say that, and and. I'm not comfortable with that. So if you can enlighten me, maybe. 
I think I know what your concern is. Uh, there's uh, the idea of being culturally relevant today. I, I think that's what you're getting at. And uh, the, the adjective I used to describe the gospel was unchanging. <laughs> and we, so we, <clears throat> our concept of being culturally relevant does not include changing the gospel. <laughs> changing the truth of what God says is right and what God says is wrong, we're not going there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, to me, that's being something different than culturally relevant. That's being culturally driven. And, and we, we are, I believe, called to be relevant to the culture because we've got to communicate the love of God and, and the truth of God to the culture that we're in right now uh, in a way that they can understand and, and relate to. But our, our gospel is not driven by what, what is the new thing in, in the culture. So, yeah. Just to tag on to that, I think the critical point here is, are we understanding the people we're trying to take the gospel to? Are we understanding our coworkers or our neighbors or whoever it is we're interacting with? That is the crucial issue. And are we communicating with them in a way that they can understand? As you know, the vineyard has become pretty popular in, well, pretty, that's not what I'm trying to say. The vineyard has become proficient in using, okay, the vineyard has become proficient in using language that is understood by the audience rather than using religious language. Even if it's biblical language, um, terms like justification, sanctification, propitiation, those don't mean a thing to a lot of Christians, let alone a lot of people that don't have any biblical background. So we need to make sure that we're communicating. Otherwise, we're not really loving people. We're, yeah, we need to communicate with people at their level, Jay just said, so that they can experience the love of God. If we don't communicate with them in a way they understand it, Paul said it's like in first in Romans thirteen or no first Corinthians thirteen he talks about a, a clanging gong, you know, just making noise. So what? Who cares? Now, that's not why we're here. Okay. I before we take any more questions, I, I think I want to talk a little bit more about putting uh, the idea of being forerunners or a prototype in the context of where we are in history uh, in, in regard to the day of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> because uh, I, I believe we are approaching the day of the Lord. Uh, I, I think we, we can see it from here. It's, it's, it's not 50 years out. It's not 200 years out. It very likely is 
less than 20 years out. And I, I think that's even generous. Uh, so when, when the New Testament, particularly the book of Revelation, talks about Jesus returning for a bride who has made herself ready, uh, that is the context of being a forerunner in our generation. Uh, there, there have to be some people that the Lord extends grace to to begin to do that. To, to begin to live an apostolic lifestyle. Uh, like the apostles in the first century. Uh, to That the Lord will extend grace to forerunners to, to live according to the message of the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus said at the end of, of the Sermon on the Mount that there, there would be people who heard the message and, and did what it said. And when the storm came, their house withstood the storm. And, and your life and my life is the house. Your life and my life is, is the house. And, and there is a storm coming at the end of the age. And, uh, you know, we, we just did a, a small group that, that looked at eschatology, that looked at the time of the end, the approach of, of the day of the Lord. And it, it is a, a storm. And, and for those who heard the message of Jesus, but they didn't do what Jesus said, when the storm came, the house was destroyed. And it fell, is, is literally what Jesus said, and great was its fall. And, and so... You know, Paul talked about in Thessalonians, there, there were two things that had to happen before the day of the Lord, before Jesus' return. Uh, one of those uh, was a great falling away. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And great was its fall. And the other thing was the revealing of the man of lawlessness, the epitome of, of the Antichrist. Uh, that those things were going to have to happen and come forth before the return of Jesus. So, if the book of Revelation is true, and, and we believe all of the Word of God is true, there, there are going to be forerunners who become examples uh, to the rest of the body of Christ to become a bride made ready. And 
It means becoming a people who are preoccupied with God. Uh, and and that that really is is the only way that we can do the things that Arnie was talking about. If 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 we're gonna just do what the Father's doing and and speak what the Father is saying, then we've got to be the people who stand in the presence of the Lord. And hear his voice. Uh, it's the Lord's going to raise up in in our generation a, a people of the presence of the Lord. And I guess you know what what we're saying tonight is we want to be those people. And and I, I don't want you to take that lightly, because I don't. Uh, I I wouldn't choose to be a forerunner. <laughs> uh, I I saw the life of John the Baptist in in the scriptures, and and he saw Jesus come to be baptized, and, and he didn't want to baptize him. He, he knew who Jesus was. In the Spirit, he knew. Because he had been filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb same way Jesus was. And he spoke forth to the people who Jesus was. And I, I think he, he probably thought that he was going to be like Jesus' right-hand man if, if Jesus was really the Messiah. So sometime later, he ends up in Herod's prison, and he sends two of his disciples back to Jesus to, to ask him, you know, or ask him, are you really the one, or... Should we be looking for somebody else because this whole thing is not turning out exactly the way that I kind of thought it would? <laughs> and that was when Jesus said some things uh, about John. And this, this story is in Luke 7. And John's disciples told him about all these things that Jesus was doing because he had just raised somebody from the dead. Um, it's, it's the shortest story of Jesus raising anyone from the dead. Uh, and he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to, to you to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? 
At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Isaiah 61. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Isaiah 40. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. So John was the greatest of all the prophets. But his grace, his dispensation, was to, to be a, a forerunner of the kingdom of God, but not to be one who actually got to step into it. And how painful that must have been for him. But for Jesus to say that of, of all who were born, he was the greatest. Wow. So what, what I want us to see here is uh, there, there is a great outpouring that's coming from the Lord because there is a great harvest that's coming that's going to happen during the great storm that precedes the return of Jesus. And, and the Lord has never given his best stuff to those who were not crying out for it, who, who were not seeking it. So part of being a forerunner in the context of the generation that we live in is to be the people who are seeking to be the ones that the Lord pours out His Spirit upon to be used in power, in powerful ways, in the great harvest. But it's, 
it's going to involve disappointment. It, it's going to involve pain. It's, it's going to involve rejection of men. It, it's, it's going to involve persecution from the church. Those, those who like the old wine, what Jesus said about new wine skins and new wine, you know, those who've had the old wine, some translations say the old wine is better. <laughs> some, some say the old wine is good enough. Uh, but that, that's going to be a, a common uh, perception. Because there, there is comfort in religious practice. <laughs> we, we can feel good about having done our religious duty. We've, we've gone, gone to church and, and we, we heard the message and, and now, now we can go do what we want to do. So, you know, part of us being a prototype is saying, no, we're not doing that game anymore. <laughs> so there, there, is, there is an uncomfortableness in seeking for something that is more real, seeking for something that has more of God, that, that literally requires more of God, and, and it literally requires more people <laughs> seeking God <laughs> and, and using their gifts uh, and, and what they're getting from God. As I, part of what, what Kim wrote that uh, I appreciated is, you know, we, we don't want to be a, a collection of, how did Reese Howells put that? We don't want to be a collection of san sanctified or consecrated people, individuals. But what, but what we want is to be an organism that God can infuse his life and his light into. Yeah, so, you know, I guess in a sense, more than speaking tonight, this, this whole thing is a prayer. to the Lord, saying, Lord, we, we don't want to do the old anymore, so you got to do something new, because we're done with the old. We, we're not going to play the game anymore. <laughs> so now you have to show up and, and do something. And, and so... So that I think is is what we're saying, and maybe the the last thing that I I would say um, before we maybe take some more questions is I I do feel like the Lord's giving us a, a picture of what He wants to raise up here, and this this really started. Um, 
when Kim and Phyllis and I went to see Terry Bennett in Nebraska about a year ago. Uh, he uh, spoke over me, which was really speaking over us, that the Lord was going to gather a base of, of intercessors and spiritual warriors together uh, who would walk in humility and dependence on the Lord. And because of that, God would win. <laughs> and that nothing was going to be able to stop what God was going to do. And we've literally had those words spoken by three or four different people related to this exact topic uh, in the last two months. That the Lord is, is going to raise up the Deborahs, the intercessors, He's, he's going to raise up the prophetic, the sons of Issachar. And he's going to release a breaker anointing upon us. And uh, Daniel, I mean, what your mom spoke was just, uh, I mean, it was just right in line. So... One of the things that that the Lord uh, that that's going to be required of us to step into what what the Lord is saying is we we all have got to go farther and learn more uh, about intercession and and even spiritual warfare. Uh, uh, and, and so that's part of our mandate for this summer, I think. And and so we're going to do another one of these in July, uh, and and we're going to have some people here who can really speak to us about higher level intercession and spiritual warfare because i mean this is stuff that we've been involved in for for the last almost 9 years we're we're going on our our ninth birthday and for the last year i i had the sense that uh the lord was remaking us into something different and it wasn't that we were something bad. And, and I literally have had that word a couple times, but, but the Lord wanted to take us higher. Well, it's, it's odd how when God takes you higher, it doesn't really look like that to people. <laughs> but we, we better get used to it. Uh, is what I'm coming to grips with. Uh, 
in in the kingdom of God, if if we want to go higher, we got to go lower. Um. So. You know, rejection just hardly phases me anymore. Uh, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I just I, I wanted to get that picture out there uh, because that, that specifically was something that was in your mother's word. Uh, and, and I know that it's, it's right on. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't want to paint this as a, a rosy picture. <laughs> I, I think I've done a good enough job at um, making you think twice. But, you know, the, the reward that the Lord has for us, if, if we will actually say yes and do this, is, is going to blow us away. It, it really is. You know, we, we sing that song, How He Loves Us. Uh, he is our portion. And, and we are his prize. And, you know, that's, that's where he wants to take us. Uh, and I, I've shared this before, but I... You know, when I first read about the inheritance of the different tribes of Israel, uh, you know, I thought the Levites, man, they got gypped. Because, <laughs> you know, they didn't even get any land. All they got were a, a few little cities here and there. But I'm I'm a lot wiser than I was when I was seven and I first was reading about that and there, there isn't any greater inheritance than the Lord that's the pearl of great price that's the treasure hidden in the field. We were that for Jesus, but he is that for us. Hmm. So any other questions or comments? Luke? Mine is really a request. When all you fine elders began to talk, the question that kept going through my mind was, does Cheyenne Vineyard have stated goals? And then Arnie answered that. He listed the goals, and I re realized that you had just stated the goals. But I have never seen those goals in writing, and I would love to have them on the Sunday bulletin. I would like to have them when I pray. I think it would help visitors and members to see our stated goals. That's my request. We can do that. <laughs> Jerry. 
I've uh, noticed that uh, a lot of planned uh, Sunday mornings oftentimes have a resistance that comes in according to the plan. When they know the floor plan, then they begin to interfere. You know, they get in there, they start to work death into it. They they kill it, and then it just takes hold and goes and goes and goes. They come in every Sunday morning and do the same thing for everything that we plan. But the freedom in the Holy Spirit knocks the wind out of their plans toward ours. And to do everything decently and in order and in the proper humility and with uh, good spiritual blessing and intention, um, it takes it right out of him. He has no way of getting in there, getting in the middle of things and destroying the work. We go free. That's good, Jerry. Yeah, the enemy is is not uh, um, omniscient, but he can read. <laughs> as soon as the schedule's printed in the bulletin, he he knows. <laughs> hmm. Any anybody else? You know, I believe we're entering a fit time in history, in God's history, when what we have done in the past will not work. I alluded to this earlier when I said that we tend to rely a great deal upon our own understanding, which Solomon wrote about that. <laughs> trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So this is not new. But the problem that we have in much of the church today is that there is a great deal of reliance upon our own understanding, our own wisdom, our own knowledge and the way we have done things. But it's not going to work. It's, it's devoid or missing the spirit of God and the life of God. And God wants, to come in and do things in our lives that are far greater than we can reason our ways to, think our ways to, strategize our ways to. God wants to be God of his church. Amen. He wants to be Lord of his church. I quoted this verse earlier during prayer, but it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom, we might say. But there is 
there's a life in the presence of God that we need. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to church and just have the same old thing that I've had for decades. I want to know that God's here. God is doing things. He's touching people's lives. He's bringing healing. And again, all of this is supernatural. It's not something we produce. It's him being Lord of his church. I really believe the Lord would say that he hears the cry. And he's teaching us to go by the Spirit because then there's life. There's going to be such a new wine poured out over this place. God is calling intercessors. Had an email from Oregon talking about revival and God pouring out Spirit. And he said, will you join me in prayer? He said, God, spirit is starting to really move in places. I keep hearing position. Position yourself. Oh, God. Oh, the people are looking to see Jesus and that you may be the only Jesus that they see. People are looking for the real thing. They're looking for the real Jesus. Will he stand up? The most I've been affected is when I could see Jesus in a person and I would see their mistakes, but I saw how they handled it. There is going to be an outpouring <laughs> of God's spirit. And it's up to each individual what you're going to do with it. It's going to start actually individually. <laughs> It becomes a spark somewhere, and then it becomes a fire. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm asking God, God, I'm willing to lay down my life and surrender. for a spark. Just start a spark. God's calling his people to a complete surrender. The storm pastor's talking about, it's going to be crucial that we can hear God for ourselves. You know, the way the world is and stuff, it, we have to hear God even now to say, don't go there. I had planned to go see my son, and I was told I couldn't go on a certain day. I had to do it a different day. I don't know why. 
but I had to hear it. We have to get ourselves in position, and the enemy's going to fight. <laughs> He's causing a lot of bait to get out there and trying to get people offended, trying to get people divided, trying to get people to where that they don't want a part of it. And we have to take, and we, we don't, we don't want to take and catch that bait. We have to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be offended. I don't care. We cannot be more offended than what Jesus was. We haven't went through what Jesus did. We may have went through some tough times. But he was stoned. And he was crucified. And yet he goes, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Before John's head gets cut off, he said, blessed are those who are not offended. And you think about that. His head's fixing to get cut off, but blessed are those who are not offended. God will take you as far as you will allow him to take you. You can go, there's no limit. I am experiencing some things with God, learning how to trust. Learning how to just trust him. I found out last year that I was maxed out on my pay grade at work, and I could no longer get pay increases. And I asked the Lord, I said, do you want me to do something like put out what my job, what I'm doing uh, compared to what my job description is. And I didn't hear anything. So I just kind of let it go. About a month ago, I was praying and I said, God, if you want me to get a raise, you're going to have to do it. I got a dollar and 12 cents an hour raise today. <laughs> And my pay grade got raised up to where I'm not maxed out anymore. <laughs> and it was just trusting him, and I just about lost it. Because it's like he's saying, I got your back. We were reading the book of Ruth Howell, Intercessor. That has so challenged my spirit. It has so challenged me to want to go so much deeper in God. And wanting to say, God, just what's on your heart? How do you want me to pray? And I believe God is challenging a lot of people in the body of Christ, to get into a deeper relationship. There's nothing like the presence of God. And it's like, you know, I tell you, this past year and a half, 
I see God so different. He has so met me. For those who don't know, my husband passed away a year and a half ago. And he, God has so carried me through this. I have such a joy and a laughter again and the joy of the Lord is greater than what I've ever experienced before. If you're praying 30 minutes, take it to 40. If you're praying 15 minutes, take it to 30. Just go a little bit more, just a little bit more than what you're doing. Start asking God, what is it that's on your heart that you want me to pray? What is it that you want me to do? What is it you want me to say? Start practicing the presence of God. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, so he's right there. Even if you don't feel him, he's right there. Start praying in the Spirit. It says we edify ourselves by praying in the Spirit, and we're praying the perfect will of God. A lot of times we don't want to pray because we don't know what to say, so pray in the Spirit. And I just believe God is kind of throwing out a challenge. I'm Kathy, and I don't belong to this church. I belong to another church. But I want to encourage you that God is not just doing this here. He's doing it in women's Bible studies. <laughs> we, my friend Renee and I, oh, a year ago, I think we did saying yes to God. That's where we started, and as he has done some amazing things in my life in this past year, he set me free. I have the joy of the Lord, and uh, he's called me. He's called me, and he's calling you. And we have to say yes, because that is our calling. And uh, it's so interesting because now we're doing a study on prayer. <laughs> and uh, what we've been learning is the strategies of the enemy and what he tries to tell us about ourselves. Because if we're going to do this, we have to know who we are in Christ. Amen. We have to know that we're a child of God. We have to know that no weapon formed against us can prosper. We have to know if we're going to go to battle, 
what our armor is. Amen. So be encouraged because it's not just happening here, everybody. <laughs> he, he is working in Cheyenne and he's calling Deborah's. So I, I wanted to close in prayer, and um, I just want you to agree, you know, as we get ready to go. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you, and you told us a long time ago you were coming for our words. And God, you showed us that the surrender that we've thought we were doing was sometimes just in word. And so, God, I'm asking you now to bring a surrender, a gift to us. We're asking the Holy Spirit to take us to a place, God, where we just lay our lives down because we want more of you. God, we just want, we don't want anything in us that says no. We don't want anything. We don't want to be in agreement with anything that opposes you in any way. God, we choose not to be offended by you and what you're going to do. God, because we know it's going to be different, and it's going to make us uncomfortable, and it's going to stretch us. But God, we also choose to just love one another right now. And God, we're asking that you pull us through. Because you know what? Out of all of this, I recognize, God, that I can't do this. I can't live this life. You, it's you, and you've got to transform us. You've got to pull us through to that place that you have for us. And God, I know that you've positioned us and you've anointed us for such a time as this. And so, God, we purposefully turn our hearts to you. We ask that the Holy Spirit come, turn our hearts, and cause them to widen and to receive what it is that you want to do in each one of us. Bring us to that deeper place, God, of intimacy with you where we're on the floor. God, we're just get, we're pouring out our heart to you. But, God, we're listening to what you, we're partnering with you. We're listening to what you want us to pray. And we're not coming with a laundry list of things that we think is wrong with us or wrong with the world or wrong with Cheyenne. But we're coming and saying, God, how teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, Holy Spirit. You're the teacher, and we we recognize that. We're asking that you just take us to that place, and you pull us in, and you transform us. So, God, right now, I just say, I just surrender. God, I surrender. I, I don't want anything. I don't want this life. I just want your life. I want your life in me. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we, we didn't do communion yet. So, Daniel, would, would you and Phil pass it out? So when, when Jesus instituted this uh, at the end of their meal, uh, he was using uh, 
the language of Jewish betrothal <laughs> or the language of a Jewish wedding. And and that is um, a revelation that that we need more of to to walk as forerunners is is to know that we're the bride and you know Jesus is is the one in scripture who has a voice like many waters but there's a point in revelation where there's a multitude that has a voice like many waters and it's because the bride has become just like the bridegroom and so as as we receive the bread and and the cup tonight uh, I want us to consider our response like the disciples did that that first night cuz they they were there when Jesus had the the multitude and then he started talking about how it was going to be necessary that if people would follow him that, that they would eat his flesh and drink his blood and everybody left except for <laughs> about 120 and <laughs> uh, so Father we ask you to bless the bread and, and the cup tonight as we partake so we, we want to receive reality just as the twelve did that night with Jesus. We we want to receive your life within us. So Jesus we thank you for your body that was broken. We thank you for healing in your stripes. We receive all the benefits of your body that was broken for us. And Jesus, you said that this cup was the new covenant. Tonight, as we drink the cup, we, we say yes to you, our bridegroom king. Thank you, Jesus.